Mercy, open your mouth. Spread your legs. Clear. y'all happy to be back with you second season y'all already know what it is man y'all talk today's guest is diamond straight from brooklyn diamond did eight years in prison for burglary diamond also is a transvestite um so diamond's gonna break down the whole vibe of how she went upstate you know to a male facility and how she did the bid and almost at the very end of her bid she was asked a couple times by the staff and by the facility um, administration to, to you know um, to get transferred to a female facility. I mean, obviously she did eight years in prison around a bunch of men, and, and 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 she felt my you know probably comfortable doing time around a bunch of men and getting all the all the attention that she probably wanted to at that point. So you know that whole transition from going from a male prison to a female prison, she was afraid of that. You know she didn't know how to react to that. But with all that being said, let's just get right to the interview, man. Let's welcome Diamond to. Dog in the yard, man. You already know. Yard talk. Your boy Pistol Pete, man. Get at me. Man, I want to just take the time out to thank my guys up there, Jake and Ben, for doing an amazing job with this pen. This is that Dom CBD pen. These guys took their time doing this pen. It tastes great. They do them three different flavors, berry, mint, and mango. My favorite is berry, just to let you know, guys. You know, I know a lot of people out there dealing with pain, you know, dealing with anxiety, the way I deal with anxiety. And I'm telling you guys, it works for me. If you want to place your order today, you're more than welcome. You just hit up domecbd.co, punch in the code, dog in the yard, and you get your 15% off early. So for those people that's out there that's going through it right now and is stressed out in the house, that don't smoke marijuana, trust me, my brothers, this CBD pimp does it all, man. Place your order today, man. It's your boy Pistol Pete, dog in the yard. You already know. When you in that Tampa Bay area, make sure you reach out to my boy, Gus Torres, man. If you want anything that has to do with real estate, man, make sure you hit him up. You get the lowest prices and the finest houses, man. Trust me when I tell you. But don't forget to mention my name. You already know that Pistol Peter gets you that early discount. And that's my brother, man, Gus Torres. You already know, out in the Tampa Bay area. Make sure you hit him up, man. Sell, buy, invest, all that. Make sure you hit him up, man, because he focused with that out there. Tampa Bay, you already know, it's your boy Pistol, man. Get at me. So let's just get right into it. Um, So, Diamond, you went to um, jail for burglary. Yeah, I did. At what age? 18. Okay, where you from? I'm from upstate New York, um, from Sullivan County. Okay. And um, you was 18 years old? Yeah. What was your background a little bit like? Well, I was, like I said, I was 18. I was still in high school. Um, I was living with my older brother at the time, so it was just the two of us. And okay. he was 20 when I went to jail. Um, and I guess going to jail for the first time, um, it was surreal. Like, I didn't even know how to, like, behave, what to do, how to act. I didn't know what I could do, what I couldn't do. Um, just, like, the rules of being incarcerated, period, was something that was foreign to me. So it's like, how do I take that moment and adjust quickly um, to 
further avoid any problems I could have. Okay. So you was afraid? Yeah, of course. Um, absolutely. Just a different... Ex- I was unused to violence, number one. Unused to it. Never. Saw, I mean, I saw it, never was involved in it. Um, so, yeah, I guess I was more so afraid of what I didn't know. Um, as opposed to being incarcerated, which is kind of funny. Right. So did, so so when you when you got there when you got arrested and all that, it, what jail they took you to? The first jail I went to was Katsaki. So I okay. went to Katsaki, um, and I remember like my first week there, I had saw somebody get cut really bad, like in front of me, hmm. and I just like broke down in tears because I've never seen anything like that in my life before, like ever. Hmm. So just the fact that somebody could do that to somebody else, I don't know. It was just different. When you went in, anybody was trying to talk to you, pick on you, or me, or like, how was the, the you know, you seen people get cut at first jail, you would been in Kasaki, mm-hmm. how you felt, like, you know, was you, there was, people was trying to talk to you, how was it to you, how was it feel for you? Well, personally, it mm-hmm. was, um, it was different, I mean, I was just unused to all of the attention, because not being in that culture where, like, someone like me was so easily accepted, but then hated at the same time was so different for me. So, yeah, you know, people kind of try to talk to me. People made fun of me, but not really made fun of me. And I guess it was because of my look, right? Um, They could say whatever they wanted to about my sexual choices. But when it came to my look, um, it's all right. So I really had no problems as far as, you know, me trying to be who I am in a facility in prison. Right. but again, even the, the, the good kind of talking that guys used to do to me, you know, that could be problematic, too. Right. Um, and that's something that I was so grateful to leave behind when I went to Takane. So how much time you got for the burglary? Uh, eight flat. Eight flat. Mm-hmm. So you, cop out, you copped out to it? Yeah, I copped out to it. Okay. So how long you was in Kasaki? I was in Kasaki for 13 months. And then... From there, how long, where you went to or from there? I went to Great Meadow. So just to give you a breakdown, I went to Kasaki, and then I went to Great Meadow. And then after Great Meadow, I went to Auburn. Then after Auburn, I went to Mohawk, Washington, Woodburn, and then to Connick. How long it took before you got to, uh, to Connick? Um, My whole bed. I actually went to Connick three months before I was released. And how, okay, could you tell us the whole, trans- how that all happened? How yeah, all that for came sure. up after, after, right before you you ready to go? Yeah, of course. So they actually, and when I say they, I mean like the people who work in Albany. They actually, I think I was 21 when they started asking me or telling me more so like, we think you should be in a female facility as opposed to like these man facilities. So I was like, why? I don't know why I should have to go. Because at that point, it was about survival for me. So it was so much easier to survive in a male facility because I didn't ever have to want for anything. Like, mm. nothing. Like, I was all right. And not having family support, that's something that I needed to rely on. Right. So when I finally made the decision, and I kept telling them no. Like, no, I'm good, you know. So, they, so the facility was trying to get you to, to get transferred? Not the facility, but Albany. And you was like, no. Yeah, I was like, no. I was, you know, 21. I was kind of having fun. Kind yeah. of okay and comfortable. Yeah, you was okay because you, you been, you've been in jail how long already? Mm-hmm. Like, what, seven years or something? No, at that point, I was 21 when they first started asking me. Okay. So it was a couple years. Um, 
but I was used to it and I was comfortable. You know, the idea of going to a female facility didn't appeal to me for many reasons. Right. No, didn't really want to do that. But um, when I was a little older, I was 25, and they asked me again. And I was like, all right, why not? Like, How was that for you, the whole transition from a man, you know, prison to a female prison? And, you know, what was... You know, how how was it, you know, as far as, like, they looking at you, you know, like, the girls felt uncomfortable with you, like, what was the, you yeah. know, how, what was that whole transition like? Well, I was actually working when they told me, they had called me back to my cell, and they were like, Diamond, pack up. So I was like, for what? Like, I'm good. They were like, you're going, to, it was like a big secret, like, you're going to Taconic, like, and I was like, okay, cool, didn't think this was going to happen. <clears throat> but, um, I went in on the van ride over there, it was that right. Um, but I remember they brought in cameras when they came in to get me. You know, being the first of something to do something, especially in docs, <clears throat> um, can be a big deal. Like, no one knows how it's going to go down, um, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. So they had to, like, record the whole process. So or you was okay with that, or, or you was nervous about the whole thing? No, I didn't care. You I didn't care, yeah. I don't, I don't really get nervous like that. Right. Um... Not with cameras or anything, especially. So um, it didn't really bother me. Um, and it was new for me, too. I was kind of interested in how it was all going to happen. And they took me when I got to Taconic. I remember the sergeant came with the depth security. And the first thing they said to me was, you have like 90 days to do. Well, the first thing they said to me is, what's your did number? So I was like, 1285516. They were like, forget that. That's not it anymore. You're now 19G0010. So I was kind of like, I don't know, why are you going to take all these years away from me that I did, right? Like, but they were like, because you're in a female facility and you need to reflect that. Mm. And also the females go by different letters. So I was like, okay. And then they had said to me, don't tell anybody you're trans. Just do these three months and then just go home. So I was like, in my head, I'm like, one, like, ugh. And then like, it kind of defeats the purpose of why I wanted to do this. Like, I didn't have to do it. I was okay. Right. But I wanted to do it because I've seen horrible things happen to trans people <clears throat> incarcerated. And by being, like, in this pilot program, I'm the first to, like, go through this journey. It would make it easily, like, more easily accessible for trans people to go straight from, like, Rikers or wherever they're from to female facilities. Like, to avoid all of that. So that's why I did it. So when he had told me that, what he was telling me was, like, we're only going to allow trans people who can pass into female facilities. <clears throat> so I was furious, right? right? So the first thing I did when I got up to the unit was tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so you I did the opposite all. thing. <laughs> yeah, I told them all. You was like, fuck that <clears throat> shit, hell yeah. Yeah, and um, mm. the females didn't care. They did not care. And the next day, obviously, I got called down. They were like, why did you tell people? And I was like, because this needs to work for everyone, not just people who can, like, pass or people who look more like girls than others. Like, yeah. that's not okay for me. Mm. So I just told everybody. So did, they, did you get in trouble for that? No, I think even the jail, they were so afraid of backlash because it was an Albany decision. So they were so afraid of something happening to me um, to make them look bad. Mm. So when you finally got there and all that, did, did you get comfortable? How was the... <clears throat> You know the other females. I mean, how the, you know how the inmates was feeling about you? Like, where well, they was all just all love. From, that's it. Yeah, I mean half and half. I mean like <laughs> more so like more so love though because they were just very like supportive. 
very like nobody really cares about that. Um, and of course, others were like, "Well, why is this happening? Like, they're not a real female, right?" And like, that really just meant nothing to me. Like, that was so whack. But again, like, nothing that really meant anything. Like, those are so like words are such like invalid, mm-hmm. and like they hold no weight. So it didn't bother me. Um, but more so, I felt more comfortable. Like, I finally realized how tense I was, how having to, like, I needed to, like, look a certain way, act a certain way in a male facility to kind of, one, get attention, and two, because I was so used to that. Like, I was so used to going into these male facilities and being judged, right? Like It was a difference. Yeah, so different. Like, I didn't realize how much I put into looking a certain type of way, Mm. right? Like, I, like, because when someone like me goes into a facility, a male facility, like, they don't care if we're good people or not, mm-hmm. right? It's like, wow, does she look like a girl? Like, how tall is she? How short is she? have long hair, short hair, it's all that, like, aesthetic stuff that doesn't really make a difference. Right. So being able to, like, not have to worry about that and being able to just relax just made a difference. So you would have wished you would have you decided <clears throat> to do that when you was 21? Nope. No, I wouldn't have. No? Because that stuff was important to me when I was 21. Mm. Um. And that was the time where, like, anybody else would, like, really becomes an adult and learns how to do adult things. So mm-hmm. in that moment, that's all I knew. That's what I wanted to be in that. I wanted to make sure that I was, like, <clears throat> the best looking in a jail. Um, yeah. You was enjoying it? Yeah, of course. Of course I was enjoying it. It was fun. All of it was fun to me. A lot of it was fun to me. <laughs> a lot of it was fun to me. Um, <laughs> but what it came down to when I got a little older was... I might have still enjoyed it, but it just things. Some things were more important, mm-hmm. so doing this was more important. Um, and I did it, and it's been a success. So I'm happy. I'm happy too. I'm happy for you. Thank you so you much. Know, um, um, and uh, how long you was there before you went home? For three months, for ninety days. And it went quick. Gone. N- no, it no. was so long. It was so <laughs> long. It was the longest time of my bed, because there was nothing to pass the time. When I was in the male facilities, there was always something to pass the time, but there was nothing to pass the time. I realized that I focused less on other people when I got to the female facility, yeah. and I had to focus more on myself, mm. right? Like, it was less about trying to make this guy happy and look this way for this guy, as opposed to, okay, so I'm only here by myself. You know, no one's checking for me except for the occasional, like, big female. So it's time to work on myself. Right. So did you accomplish some things when you was when you when you was in, in, in doing your time in prison? Mm-hmm. As far as what are the things that you you know that you managed to accomplish? Well, I went to college. I went to Bard College. I went to um, Cornell Prison Education Program. Got some credits for that. Um, I was actually the first trans person to change their gender marker on their birth certificate while I was incarcerated too. So that was like a big thing. Like. That is a bit, yeah. Yeah, like they finally, my, I remember my lawyer telling me when I asked her about it was like, they always, doc commissioners always say no. Right. Um, just so happened that this time around they said yes. Um, so they had made a template up and allowed me to do that. So I was happy. Um, being the first trans person pre-op to go to a female facility was a big deal too. That's right. So it is a big deal. Yeah, my biggest accomplishment. Let's give it up for Dobbin, man. Oh, that's so nice. That's stop, stop, stop. No, keep going. So that was um, a big accomplishment for me. Um, and it's great. And still, when I came home, I had um, an interview with an online magazine. They did an, an interview um, with me about that um, just to highlight the importance of, you know, what I did. And I don't ever claim that, like, 
I worked really hard to do that. It was something that I wanted because I didn't want to do it. But it's the idea that um, doing it would be better off for a lot of people um, in the future. Absolutely. Because, you, you know, it, 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 a lot of people, a lot of kids nowadays, you know, it, they, you know, they're young and stuff like that. And they might, they might be, you know, they want to do, and they're scared. They ain't yeah, got no support. Course. You know what I'm saying? So, it, yeah. It's, it's a good thing. Uh, um, what's the, I'm also going to ask you, what's the things that you um seen as far as being done to trannies in prison? That they, you know, you, it was like, that, it stood with you that you never forgot. You know, you like, damn. See, the worst thing that I've seen done to a trans person, um, and there was really no violence involved, but there was this one trans girl. They kept her admin sagged her entire bed. And I think she did like 15 years. I think like 80% of that she was admin sagged. Um, and for me, that's horrible, mm. right? Because it's kind of like being held somewhere with no real reason. Like there's no real reason why you're holding them except for somebody saying, because, like, we can, right? Or because there's a potential that something will happen. Like, if that's the was case... Was the person a threat? Was she look like a girl for real or something? I don't know what it was. I think, um, yeah, it looked like a girl, but not more so than any other ones that I've seen. Like, it was nothing, like, really spectacular. Mm. But um, I think it was this, just their particular situation in a particular case um, that kept them admin sags. And that, for me, was horrible. Because it's like now, if you go to a woman's facility, there's no real reason to admin seg you um, from the threat of violence or retaliation or whatever. So I think that's horrible. And, you know, I've seen the regular violence, like cuttings, like I've seen stabbings. I've seen, not seen, but like I've heard of rapes. Like, But you've never seen a rape? No, no, no. Okay. And you know, so... As far as uh, um, seeing cuts and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you seen them when you was in the in, in the mail in the, in the yeah, mail. Uh, obviously, Kasaki or something like that. <laughs> yeah, Kasaki, oh, Great Meadow, Auburn. Yeah. Okay, which how you think about what you think about um, prison reform? So prison reform is actually something that's really big for me. <clears throat> so for me, it's this idea of how do you make prison um, acceptable by nature, because obviously we all know that prison is inhumane, right? So how do we change the rules, the laws, the um, policies to make it work for everyone um, in a safe way? But not only safe, but conducive to growth outside of prison. <clears throat> because a lot, of prison, a lot of people, they leave prison and they haven't grown in prison. You know, they have all of these different um, programs and activities that are designed to help people upon their release to be working civilians that make the right choices. But we know that that's not the case. Um, and why is that not the case? It's not the case because these programs are designed to pass time. They're designed to, you know, have a mark of completion um, for the parole board, for your stipulations, and you go on your way. Um, so prison reform right now, I believe, is still dragging in its... Um, progressive state. <clears throat> I feel like there's not enough um, publicity to the nature of um, prison reform. Um, I don't think people, they only care about the bigger issues, like, as I was just talking about, um, closing Rikers. Um, that's a big thing, but what happens when that's over? Um, I think they're working more towards how inhumane prisons are, as opposed to what people are actually getting out of prison, and it being a thing that works to 
really help individuals while they're incarcerated. The same thing is true for housing. <clears throat> um, a lot of it is di di directed to upon your release. A lot of the things, the issues are upon your release, upon your release. Um, but what about on the inside? Like, as we know, you can't do a lot of real work while you're still incarcerated. Um, so when you get out, you're left to now start this work. And at least for me, it's like when I'm worrying about housing and trying to find a job and trying to just, you know, be doing the right thing, um, that work should have started while I was incarcerated. Um, and I did a little bit of the work, you know, by going to school, by um, making just the right decisions for the most part. Um, but the work needs to start while people are incarcerated. So I think what needs to be worked on... So they is, can be ready, more prepared. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can't start looking for secure housing while you're in prison because nobody allows you to do it. It's not a thing. Um, so now you're sending people home to shelters, people are homeless, when that could have been started while you were incarcerated. Um, you think if you have 20 years to do, if you start that when you're first incarcerated, by the time you leave, you've already had a place to live. Um, and even, like, all these programs are done towards the end of your bed. Um, and for me, that's just not enough. So it's about how do we create policies and how do we put them in place? One, that they're able to sustain the DOC system, which is a horrible one to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you make them work within that system? But then how do you make sure that they actually work for the people who are involved? Okay. So how long have you been home? Since April of this year. Good. Yeah. And, and so what you've been doing since you've been home? Well, I work for the Fortune Society, and I actually came home and got an internship there. And that was 10 weeks. Um, when that was over, I had to get a part-time job because, you know, I need to make a paycheck. Uh -huh. And, like, three weeks into that, I got a call from them that said that they wanted to hire me full-time. So currently, that's what I'm doing. Good for you. Yeah, thank you. So I do that. I go to school at night. It's good. Yeah, so I'm trying to get that taken care of. And besides that, that's pretty much my life right now. That's a good thing. Yeah. You focus. Yeah. Well, I'm happy that you came by. I appreciate you know sharing your story with me and all. Yeah, that. of course. It was, you know, because it's for it's for the youth. Everything yeah. that we do here, this is a platform for all ex-convicts. You know, female, trannies. This is an open yeah. door for everybody. We don't judge nobody over here. We 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 love everybody. So this is the, this is that this is that platform for that. So I just I'm just happy that you came by. I appreciate you, you know, coming by and all that in your interview. Diamond. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Hey, right. take care. Thank Diamond. you. But you I appreciate too. you, man, coming, man. Appreciate it. I want to first and foremost thank Diamond for coming through. I mean, Diamond was, I mean, the story was like I never heard it before. And my and my my experience of, you know, doing time in the penitentiary and the Fed penitentiary all over the state, all over the feds, I never seen no or ever heard of a, you know, uh, of a transvestite getting transferred from a male facility to a female facility. You know, in the U.S. history, this is the first. You know what I'm saying? So I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Uh, and uh, and the story and all that, cause it's real. And you already know it's your boy Pistol Pete, man. Dog in the yard. Get at me. <laughs>